Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Luke chapter 5 right now. I hope I gave you plenty of time. I, I didn't hear much paper rustling, so I, maybe you got your phone and you Googled it instead. Uh, but Luke chapter 5, we're going to read this. We're going to start in verse 17. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. But before we read this, I want you to look at somebody real quickly and tell them, get up. That was weak, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I, I want to do this again, <laughs> and, and, and I want you to do it with a little bit of hmm on it, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you got, anybody got, ever had to get a teenager up out of bed? Any parents in this room? See, I, I was never the teenager that had to be got up out of bed. I was the good son. I was the one that woke up at 6 a.m., and I'm still, or earlier, and I'm still that way to this day. Now, my brother, if he watches this stream today, my older brother, our lead pastor in high praise, he was not always that, that one. He, he wasn't that kid. He, he was the kid that dad would th- really think about flipping the mattress or get the water and pour it on there. I want you to look at the person next to you and with as much love within your heart, I want you to look at them and tell them, get up. Get up. There we go. That's, that's much better. Got some unfun, okay? Like James Brown, get up now. Get on up. Get up now. Get on up. Okay? Like, Today, I really feel like the Lord is saying for us to get up, okay? We've been laying down. You've been laying in the mess. You've been laying in yesterday. You've been laying in your stress. You've been laying in your problems for far too long. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, uh, to many of us in this room personally. It is time to get up. Let's read the scripture today. One day, Jesus was teaching. This is verse 17. And Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. I want you to remember that. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Verse 19, when they told, sorry, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him in on his mat to the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? So he's posing a question to these, to the Pharisees here. He's saying, which one do you think is easier that I can forgive them? Or that I can look at this man and say, get up and walk. Verse 24. I love what Jesus says here. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So as a sign to you, is what he's saying here, to know that I have the authority to forgive, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell this person to get up and walk. So it says this. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. 
Take your mat and go home. Verse 25, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Let's pray over the word this morning. Father, I thank you for this word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for everyone who is here today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you anoint my tongue as a ready and skillful writer to speak what you want spoken today. I ask, Lord, that this not be my words, but let everything I say be under the influence and the unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that your word says that he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I thank you that every ear and every heart is open to hear, but not only hear, also to receive, but not only to receive, but to enact the word of God within their lives as they go forth from this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen? Amen, amen. Now, I want us to look at a few things in this text today. As we look at this, I find it interesting what Jesus does here. Not only does he heal the man, but one of the reasons he's healing the man is because he's showing forth that he can also forgive sins, that he has the authority to do that. Some of us in this room today don't even realize that the fact that you have been forgiven of much sin is a sign of the miracle working power of God. Some of us, we think that God can't forgive our sins because that would be too much of a miracle because we've done too many things. Well, let me introduce you to a man. Uh, His name was Saul. And he was a murderer. He did some really bad things. He killed Christians. He persecuted Christians. He did all these things. And in a moment, what took place, God forgave Saul's sin, changed his uh, identification to Paul, and now he has a new life, a new name, and everything in the old has been passed away, and all things were made new in that moment. Don't you tell me for a second, because you messed up and you did a few things wrong in your past. I don't know about you. I don't think there's anybody in this room that killed a Christian. If you have, I'm a mandated reporter, okay? It, it, you know, nobody in this room has went as far into the links that Saul, had, that Saul went to. So don't tell me for a second that God can't forgive the sins of your past and the sins of your yesteryear. Okay, that can be an evidence of miracle working power for you is that God has already forgiven your sins, but hasn't just forgave your sins. He loves you even though you've done those things. That can be an experience of the miracle. So what's happening here that he says, I'm going to I'm going to forgive them, but. I'm going to show you this, that I do have this authority also to do miracles. So he looks at the man and says, get up and walk. Now we read in the text earlier that it said, and the power of the Lord was on Jesus to heal the sick. The power of the Lord was on Jesus to heal the sick. In other words, wherever Jesus went, healing power could be manifested at any moment's notice. Wherever Jesus went, wherever his presence was, the Holy Spirit, that God had indwelled him with the power to heal anyone that he came into contact with. So Jesus is on his way. He's doing his teaching. If you look prior to this, in chapter 5, in, um, in chapter five, he finds some of his first disciples. And this is where we see the fishers of men story. In chapter 6, I mean, um, the second part of chapter 5, he goes on and he heals a man uh, with, with leprosy. 
and he's on his way. And that's where we find this story is now after doing those signs, those miracles and those wonders after he healed the man with leprosy. Now he's moving forward in his destiny. Jesus is moving forward and we're in his destination. And then he finds himself in this room. And now what happens next is that there are people that begin to surround Jesus in the room where he's teaching. But I want you to hear this today. The people that are surrounding Jesus, the people that are coming to hear the teaching of Jesus are not all perfect people. Some of them were Pharisees. Some of them were skeptics. Some of them weren't sure about this Jesus guy. But there's also people in the room of great faith that believe Jesus is who he said he is, that Jesus will do everything he said he's going to do, and everything that they've been believing for is going to take place and happen. What am I getting at here? Well, we see from the story that this man experiences a miracle in that room. Can I tell you that the people that you are in the room with do not determine whether or not you can experience your miracle or not? Many of us have used the excuse of I go to church with imperfect people so I don't want to be part of the church to keep us from gathering in a place where the Holy Spirit is poured out, which is the church. The Bible says it like this, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. You know, can I tell you right now, if nobody else in this room comes ready to experience the presence of the Lord, if nobody else in this room is coming to gather in the name of Jesus, I promise you, you have two pastors, Pastor Micah, Pastor Chelsea, she's in kids' church right now. We come together, maybe first thing in the morning, we don't feel this, okay? But when we step foot in this room, we've come to gather in the name of Jesus. And in accordance to the scripture, I know there's other people in this room too. I know pastors Andy and Donna, when they're here, they're ready to experience a miracle. They're ready to experience the presence of God. They're gathered in the name of Jesus. I know pastors Francis and Newland, I know whenever they're here, they're ready to go after God. I mean, they want to see the presence of the Lord poured out on all flesh. So I say that to say that, say this, you have more than two or three that are gathered in the name of Jesus, which means this, there's an opportunity for the spirit of God, for the miracle working of power of God to be made manifest within your life. So this paralyzed man, I mean, tell, let me stay here. Let me stay here. I was going to go somewhere else. Let me stay here for a second. Uh, I'm not saying you have to be in church in order to experience a miracle. I don't want anyone to misunderstand me when I I speak this today because I'm going to talk a lot about being in church and experience a miracle. The reason I'm going to do that is because I do believe that there is power in community. I do believe there is power when two or three are gathered in in the name of the Lord. I do believe that whenever you attend a place that that welcomes the Holy Spirit that says, you're the miracle maker, then you can be the miracle maker in this church. Because listen, the Holy Spirit is the gentleman. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is only going to activate within your life in which, the, in, in which way that you accept him in your life. In other words, whenever I accept him as healer, guess who he can be for me? Healer. Matter of fact, when you look at the children of Israel, you see that they begin to doubt God and not accept him as redeemer any longer. Even though they've been redeemed, they've been set free. 
they all of a sudden started going, it'd be better for us to be back in Egypt. It'd be better for us to be in bondage still. And they forgot that he is my freedom. So when facing things, how you accept God, how you identify God is how you will experience God. As for our church, we are a church that invites, that welcomes, that says, yes, you are the healer. Yes, you are the restorer. Yes, you are the miracle maker. Yes, you are still a God that still does signs, wonders, and miracles in the earth today. But you want to know why I believe this? Because I've seen it too many times in my own life to even think anything else. I've seen too many marriages that should have been dead and gone, restored. I have seen so many people healed of long-standing issues, set free of long-standing addictions. We've seen miracles take place in bodies. We've seen miracles take place in hearts. As a matter of fact, I'll let them share their testimony at another time if they so desire, but we got a text from somebody this week, months ago, we quite a few months ago, I'd given a prophetic word of knowledge in a service, and it was about hearts being healed, and I, it was a natural word, and I prophesied about leaky heart valves and other issues that, in the heart, and we got a text this week from a family within our church that's been faithfully, they, they get up and they show up to church. And they were here in that service when they really first started attending the, the church. And their daughter had been diagnosed with basically a heart uh, valve, if you will, that was too small. And it wasn't, my understanding is it wasn't letting the blood flow properly and so on and so forth. And they got a, so they were diagnosed with something. When they heard the word, they began to believe in faith. And guess what? They got a different report this week. And they got a report of a miracle that had taken place in her heart. And the young girl's been healed. Amen. That's a miracle. And I don't say that. To boast in the in high praise, I don't say that to boast in Pastor Mike and Pastor Chelsea. I say that to boast and look what the Lord is doing. Whenever there's an assembly that gathers together and says, "Holy Spirit, you just be who you said you'll be," and we'll believe that, we'll war with that, and we believe that you will show up as that. So, oh yes, where was it? Yes, okay. I'm not telling you that the only place a miracle will take place is the church. But what I am saying is when you're part of a church that really believes in miracles, it's a good place to be if you're believing for a miracle. It's really one of the best places that you could be when you're believing for a miracle. When you need family restoration in your family, one of the best places you can be is in a church family that believes in family restoration, not family agitation. There's some, there's some churches that, oh yeah, you just need a Cut them off, never talk to them again. They're a dirty dog sinner that are worth no good. And you should never, no, okay? You will never find restoration that way. Right. You won't find restoration that way. There's still got to be love that abounds within your heart. If you can't forgive, the Bible says if you can't forgive your brother, if you can't forgive your family, yeah. well, I, y'all are being quiet on me. Y'all don't, y'all don't want to talk about it, huh? So it's important to be part of a church or church family that believes <clears throat> that God is a miracle worker. Yes. Yes. It's a part, important to be in services where the Holy Spirit's being poured out, where two or three are gathered in his name. So this paralyzed man, though, he finds this place and he hears of Jesus coming and he said, I, I got to get to that place. I got to get to the place where Jesus is. He doesn't let his issue become an excuse because he was paralyzed, yeah. which 
means he couldn't walk there. So he didn't let that be an excuse for, you, for him. Many of us, we allow whatever issue that we can find to become an excuse as to why I can't get to church. Right. Why I can't be with the assembly of the saints. Oh, well, Johnny Boy across the, 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 the pew from me. I saw him the other day. He wasn't acting very Christ-like. I can't go to church with him. Well, your miracle has nothing to do with their heart condition, but everything to do with your heart condition. That's not your problem. And who knows how you could minister to that person if you actually showed up and showed the love of Christ to that person. Because if you're not careful, real quickly, your issue with that person will actually be something that begins to separate them from the Lord. Y'all don't want to talk about that, that you could be a problem. Y'all, I know I'm stepping on toes this morning, but this is truth, okay? This is, this is what we got to be careful. We have to watch our conduct even as Christians. As a matter of fact, I was telling some people, I was shocked this week while I was at this, this past, this weekend as I was at a Christian concerts that were there. I was shocked with the conduct of some youth leaders and how they spoke to people that kids that were not in their youth group that they all of a sudden didn't like and they were using foul language youth leaders using foul language with minors it's incredible that that is the condition of some of the heart of some leaders in the church today breaks my heart and it's not an example of who jesus is and let me just say if some if you got odds with somebody get right with with it and we, we've talked we talk about that a lot here go to the person talk to them bring resolution we believe in that here i praise that we need conflict resolution proper biblical conflict resolution i'm way off to that topic but obviously somebody needs to hear this this morning but they paralyzed man hears of this this miracle maker on his way this guy who's doing miracles he didn't see any miracles but he heard about it and as soon as he hears about it, he says man i've got to find my way to the place where Jesus is. I have to find my way to the place where healing and miracles are taking place because I can't live like this anymore. So he says, take me to the presence of God. I need to encounter him. Let me encourage you with this. Sometimes we have to go after things before they've even been called out. So I gave the testimony earlier. We had a prophetic word of knowledge come forth about healing hearts. Okay? That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to deliver you from fear because it didn't get called out. Okay? Because in both these stories, I mean, sorry, in this story, you know what's very unique? The fact that he was not on his way to heal the man who was paralyzed. That was not Jesus' mission at the moment. Jesus was not speaking to the man who was paralyzed. Jesus was on his way to do something else. We find in the Bible another story. There's this guy named Jairus. Anybody ever heard the story of Jairus and Jairus' daughter? There's this man named Jairus who would have been like a pastor at the time. Jairus' daughter is dying. Jairus says, I got to go find Jesus. I need a miracle. Jairus runs to Jesus. Says, Jesus, Jesus, my daughter's dying. I need help. Jesus says, okay, let's go. Don't worry about it. She's just sleeping. We're going to get her back going. It's all good. It says that Jesus begins to move forward towards Jairus' daughter to the home where Jairus' daughter is. And as he's walking, there's a woman. Now you might know the story a little better. Because y'all know this, a lot of people know this part, but they don't know the other part. There's this woman with an issue of blood. She has a continual flow. And she's supposed to stay away from people. She cannot be near people. Well, what does the woman do? The woman hears of the miracle maker making his way through town. So the woman says, I've got to touch the hem of his garment. And if I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. So the woman 
Jesus is not on his way to heal the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. Jesus has already heard of someone else's need. Jesus has already heard of someone else in need of a miracle and begins to move towards that. But there's an expectation in this woman with the issue of blood. Or there's an expectation with this paralyzed man who needs to be dropped in through the roof. And the expectation catches the ear of the miracle maker. Or the Bible says it like this. As Jesus was walking, and you got to think about this it says that there was a crowd thronging jesus which means this think about like a zombie apocalypse movie and jesus trying to walk through that and everybody's touching everybody's touching jesus and the bible says that the woman begins to push through the crowd and the woman touches the hem of his garment and jesus stops and says hold up who touched me and you gotta think the disciples are walking with him like everybody jesus hard to pinpoint out which one which one do you want to know about who touched me? And he looks at her. Your faith has made you well. A miracle happens in her body because she was willing to not let her issue become an excuse. The man who's paralyzed didn't let his issue become an excuse. Some of y'all are believing for a miracle and freedom and deliverance and long-standing issues and addictions that you've had. Don't let your issue of still functioning right now in the addiction keep be an excuse to keep you from showing up in a place where a miracle can take place in your life. Don't allow an issue of stress and frustration be an excuse to keep you from being in the house of the Lord where a miracle can take place and you can be delivered from stress and anxiety. Don't allow a sickness, and now understand the way I say this in parameters, if you've got, and <laughs> we gotta clarify this, if you have a, a flu, if you have the flu or something like that, I believe that the Holy Spirit can speak through the live stream too, okay? <laughs> Bible says that he sent the word and he healed them, okay? So, so Think about other people. That's part of loving your brother well, by the way. The Bible talks about love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you don't want the flu germs on you, don't be going around and giving the flu germs to other people, okay? Love people well. Uh, But the bottom line is don't let just uh, uh, these different issues that you may have in your life become the excuse as to why you're going to stay away from where miracles could take place. Because we get comfortable just living where we're at in our issue, and it becomes just easy to live there. But I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear this. You may want to write this down. Some things don't happen until you show up. Listen, when you show up, God can enable you to get up. When you show up to where God is, then the power of God can enable you and empower you to get up out of what you've been going through. When you look around, you see people getting blessed. You see the breakthrough happening in other people's lives. You see restoration happening. Listen to me. That is the evidence that God is on the move or in your vicinity, and you need to go after him. Amen. Don't get mad, jealous, envious. Well, I've been, wait- I've been praying for six months for this miracle to take place, and I know, 
I know that they've only been praying for one month and they've already seen it take place. Don't get mad because they received a miracle. Rejoice that they received a miracle and know that you're in the same line. Know that God, well, obviously that means that God does do miracles, that he can do miraculous things. I know I've been waiting a little while, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be persistent in seeking the presence of God and seeing miracles take place. Listen, hearing of God doing incredible things for others shouldn't make you upset. It should encourage encourage you that you are in proximity of the miracle maker that you are in proper proximity the man knew Jesus was the breakthrough Jesus is the healing so because I know that I got to get in the right place now I want you to think about this too that he had just heard about the miracle maker he just heard that Jesus had done these things and he let that be something that stirs up faith within his heart. Let me encourage you, we let the miracles of others be something that stirs up faith within your heart to believe even greater for your miracle. But you don't have to wait for <clears throat> deliverance from fear to be called out at an altar call before you start going after God and say, Lord, I need deliverance from fear. Yeah. You can do it now, yeah. right where you're at. Because once again, Jesus wasn't on his way to heal them. But whenever they were persistent to encounter the presence of God, they received their miracle. Some miracles come through persistence. You got to be persistent. So every time we get a chance to gather, it's another chance for you to be delivered, for you to be healed, for you to be set free. But it's going to take some choice. It's going to take some persistence on your part. You're going to have to push through some thoughts. You're going to push through some ways of thinking. You're going to have to push through all different kinds of adversity sometimes. Sometimes you're going to have to push through car troubles. Sometimes you're going to have to push through some arguments that you might have with your spouse. Sometimes you might have to push through getting the kids ready in the morning. Sometimes you might have to push through different issues in order to get to church, get up and get to church. But let me encourage you. It is very important that you do that and it is a well investment for you to do that because i'm telling you god does incredible things in the gathering of his saints amen now stay with me for a little bit longer so they lower this guy in through the roof and he heals him jesus heals the man i believe that the man could have came up with all different kinds of excuses i you know i i posted something this morning uh just I was thinking about, you know, really being faithful, really being um, intentional about going to church, intentional about, because I'm be honest with you, <clears throat> anybody in this room who knows me really well knows that I am an open book. <laughs> I don't hide any of my thoughts. Uh, <laughs> there are mornings I don't feel like going to church. Can you believe it? <laughs> the pastor of the church some mornings does not feel like going to church. There are mornings that I have to push through. This morning I had to push through being with high schoolers that can outrun me now. It's ridiculous. I feel I'm young, but I'm old, okay? <laughs> like these kids can go all day and all night. And God bless Ben and Kayla right now. I mean, they, were, they got there, they left here at 4 a.m., I think, on Thursday, 4.45 on Thursday. They got there at noon. They went all the way to midnight. They got up at 6, were dressed by 7 on the bus by 7, 
in the park by 8, went all the way till late last night. They got up this morning and are doing it again, and they have to drive back tonight. God bless Ben and Kayla for what they're doing, okay? Because I'll be honest with you, I, I got up this morning, and my body was saying, you do not want to get up, okay? No, you don't. It's the bed feels nice and cool. You're comfy. You haven't had a good night's sleep in a few nights. Enjoy your rest. That's what my flesh and my body was saying, okay? I had every excuse I could think of to not get up out of bed this morning. I don't, I don't think any of us have some of the excuses that this man had. Right. This man was paralyzed. He had every excuse not to get into the presence of Jesus. Oh, I remember where I was going. You know, when I think about raising kids today, let me just remind you that it's important that they're in church. I see in the world, in the church today, parents who get really upset with the school system, but have no problem dropping their kids off every morning at school, which the, there's nothing wrong with that, just so everybody knows, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. Kids need education. Yeah. I drop my kids off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at school. But I also make sure that every time the church doors are open, you know where my kids are? church I love that my kids love sports my, I got three boys uh, Levi was doing media today again in their second service he does it every week Reagan was up here playing guitar Gideon is down here worshiping I love that they love sports but with the same uh, dedication that we are going to have towards sports we're having greater dedication to the house of the Lord with the same Discipline and dedication that we have towards physical education, we are also going to have that same, if not greater, dedication to having spiritual education and spiritual devotion to the Lord. But where I was getting at with that, it behooves me. I said behooves. I told you, I'm young, but I'm old. It behooves me, I'm just going to go with it, that. We have that many Christian parents have issues with the education system and taking my kids to public school. But those same parents, and I'm sorry, I'm actually not sorry. Let this be an encouragement of the Holy Spirit that He's speaking to you right now if your toes are getting stepped on. Because I'm not going to apologize for what I'm about to say, because this is the truth. we get upset about the education system and our kids being in, in school, but however, we only take them to church once a month. You're not really that upset. You're just joining the crowd. Because if there was really a righteous indignation with the issues that you may see in the school system and things they're learning, then you would find the places, the relationships, and the ways to help counterbalance anything that you may not want them to be learning with the truth of the word of God. You would find every excuse necessary to get them to the place where they need to be fed. This was not in the first service. So I say that to say this. We, can, we are great at making excuses. Yeah. 
It's just we make excuses for the wrong things too often. Oh, yeah, Johnny's not going to miss a football game. I'm just going to be honest with you. Johnny's probably not making it to the NFL. Hate to break it to you. I've been having to break that news to my, my fourth grade son recently. Like, buddy, look at dad. Go look at your papa. Go look at your grandpa. Now go look at the other side of the family. None of us are tall. None of us are fast. We're not very athletic. Hate to break it to you, bud. You're probably not going to make it in the NFL. You are not going to be the next Patrick Mahomes as much as you love him, okay? Which, by the way, go Baltimore today. <laughs> For all my Swifties in the room, sorry. Because you're not a Chiefs fan, you're a Swiftie. And if you're a Chiefs fan, then you are a Swiftie now because of what the, anyways, that's, what, what, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I joke with my son all the time because Chiefs is his team. I'm like, boy, you're a Taylor Swift fan now. You're not a Chiefs fan. But we are so dedicated to these extracurricular activities and all these different things. But our dedication to the house of the Lord with our children often lacks. And we come up with every excuse as to why Johnny doesn't have to go to church. Oh, well, he wants to play Fortnite today. He can play Fortnite later. <laughs> like... Oh, he doesn't want to go to youth group tonight because Wednesday night... I'm, this is not a joke, y'all. I, this is not, I don't know where I'm at right now. This is not a joke, okay? We had a... one point in time, we had a... I was talking to another youth pastor. It wasn't our youth. I was talking to another youth pastor, and he was saying that, how do you get kids to come to church? Because for those of you who don't know, Pastor Chelsea and I, we were youth pastors for many years before we were here. And he said, how do you get youth, pastor, how do you get youth kids to come to church? Because I got this kid who Wednesday night is the night where he plays Fortnite with his friends who don't go to church. And how, how, do I, how do I tell parents like they need to get him to church? You tell them, hey, you need to get him to church. <laughs> Fortnite can wait, okay? Like, and that's where, once again, as anyone who's a parent in this room, I know this is not Building Families Weekend. That's next weekend, but still, I'm going to say this. For anybody who's a parent in this room, it's important that we make sure that we're setting correct priorities for our children. We can't just expect them to have correct priorities because their brains aren't fully developed yet is one reason. But you can't just expect your kids to have proper priorities. You have to instill those proper priorities. With this. That's why the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. Not tell a child the way they should go train. Anybody ever went through any sort of training on their job and someone had to sit there and watch over you and make sure you did things correctly and that you're doing things in the proper order that it needed to be done in? They're training you. You have to train your children and create those disciplines. Let's get back to the actual message now. Um, but anyways, we're talking about here today is miracles and uh, getting in the correct place, which is the house of the Lord. You need to get your kids in the house Lord. Your kids need miracles. Your kids need to see miracles. Your kids need to see the manifested power of God. They need to see these things. They need to know that God still does it. In a world that shouts he can't do it anymore, it is important that you get them in a place that says, no, he still does it. Look and see what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He healed my body. He healed Just in time, man. I'm going to praise his name. Right? Like... <laughs> right back I'm young but I'm old 
<laughs> now, <laughs> this man who got carried, you got to think, he didn't carry himself there. He had to find people who would carry him there. Can I tell you that sometimes you need people to help carry you to the place of your miracle. Sometimes you're just not strong enough. Sometimes you just don't quite have that courage and you need somebody to come around, around you and encourage you to give you courage once again. Sometimes you need somebody to pick you up and take you to the place. Sometimes you need people that will come into your life and tell you, bro, that's not right. Nope, you don't need to be doing that. I'm not saying that getting to the place of the miracle is always going to feel comfortable because I, I said this at first service and I started thinking about it. You know, and I, I should have done this as an example. So I'd get some strong men up here. But... If, if I had a mat laid out right now, it says, the Bible says he's on a mat. If I had a mat laid out and I went and laid down on it, and I said, hey, I need people to carry me to my miracle. Immediately when they go to carry me, I'm going to get folded up like a taco. I mean, me like this. Like, and they're walking me through and they're dropping me through a ceiling, bumping against a couple of things here and there. I'm not saying it was a comfortable ride to the miracle. I say that to say this. There might be some, the pe some of the people that you need to carry you to your miracle may have to tell you some uncomfortable truth that may bump you a little bit and agitate you a little bit at first. But it doesn't mean that they're trying to break you. Oftentimes, it's for your making and to get you to the place of a miracle. Whenever that friend comes around you matter of fact the bible says that that a good that, that uh, it's in proverbs but it talks about how basically bad friends they just multiply kisses they just tell you the greatest things oh yeah you're perfect you're wonderful great you do nothing wrong no that wasn't a sin all these different things but real friends will tell you hard truths real friends will tell you what's up according to the word of god Real friends will be there and encourage you whenever you feel down. Real friends will be there to pick you up and say, no, we're not going to do that again. Let's do this different this time. Real friends will be there and give you grace or divine empowerment, according to Titus, to say no to sin again and to live in godliness and righteousness. Real friends will do that. So sometimes you need people to carry you to the place of your miracle, to help you until you get to that place. But that you don't always have to rely on them because once you get to that miracle, you can get up and actually go forth from that place. I'm coming to a close. Y'all stay with me. Now, the last thing is this. When it comes to moving towards a miracle, getting up and moving towards a miracle is this. Just because you're in God's presence does not mean you'll be changed. Just because you're in God's presence doesn't mean that you'll experience the miracle. I want you to think about this. This man is in close enough proximity to hear that the miracle maker is coming, but he's not in the place where the miracle maker is. Even once he gets carried to the place, they get to the place and they can't get into the room where the miracle maker is. So they have to find a way to get to the place where the miracle maker is. He was around the miracle maker, but he had to be in the presence of the miracle maker in order to experience the miracle same thing with the woman with the issue of blood she was close enough to the crowd to know that Jesus was coming through the town but it wasn't until she pushed through and was in the presence of the miracle maker that she actually experienced the miracle power of God put it to you like this if, if I had up here and I laid out hundreds of hundred dollar bills up on this stage Maybe one day we'll be able to do that. Not right now. <laughs> Hundreds of hundred dollar bills all across this stage. 
everyone in this room is in proximity of hundreds of hundred dollar bills. And then if I said, hey, anybody that wants some money can get up, come forward, and take some money. First of all, all of you would be at the altar. <laughs> Immediately, yep. I'll take some of that. Right? But if anybody decided not to, they would, they would be in the presence or around a blessing, but would not have, would not be able to benefit from the blessing or the miracle unless they are willing to get up and go towards right, right, right. the money. Right. They could not reap the benefits of having the $100 until they actually got up from where they were, went to the actual exact spot where the $100 is, grabbed it and said, this is mine, I'm going to take it. Can I just tell you that today, that it's easy to be around the presence of God. It's much different to be in the presence of God. We have like this. It's totally different to be at church than be in church. Many people come to church and they're at church. Oh, I'm here. Stamp my card. I'm not going to hell. I'm like it's Monopoly or something. The get out of jail free card. Get out of hell free. There you go. Passing them out today. But it's, that's, that's easy. It's easy to... to, to, to now, for at least... For some of us it is. It's easy to get up and go to church. But it's very different to be locked in and actually press through and push in to the presence of God while you're at church. And many people get blessed by the Holy Spirit in a service and other people are looking at another person going, What's, what got you look, smiling like that? Who got you smiling like that? Like, why, why do you feel that way? You know, to this morning, I don't get to stand down here and worship very often. And there may have been some of y'all going, why is he so loud? Why is he so vehement in his praise? Why is he so outgoing and out and boisterous whenever he praises the Lord? It's because I'm locking in with the presence of the Lord. I'm pushing through. I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to be honest with you. You can think whatever you want. You cannot like what, the way I dress. You cannot like the way that I worship. You cannot, I don't care, okay? Only thing that I've come to do today is to experience the presence of the Lord, to receive what is mine, to serve a church family, to love each other well, and ultimately receive anything that I'm believing for. Amen. That, that, that's, that's one of the reasons we come to church. Yeah, we come to serve each other. Yeah, we come to, but you know what? We also come because we're expecting God to do something within our lives. And every time you're in God's presence, you should seek to encounter him in a new way. When you encounter him, you leave changed. The man didn't leave the way he was carried in because he was carried in, but he walked out. Let me just tell you, you may have felt like you were carried in here, but today you can walk out. You may have felt like you were dragged in, but you can walk uprightly out of here today. Something different can change in your life every single week. You know, there's something that I experience different about the Lord every week. Amen. Every time I'm at church, I tell you, God really, he does, I encounter the Holy Spirit in a different way every time we gather. Mm-hmm. And it's, I said this in first service, I'm going to say this again. Oftentimes in worship, 
Many of us think we're trying to emotionally stir something up. Nothing in worship is an emotional stir up. It is a or, or an emotional uh, uh, experience. It is a spiritual yes. stirring. Yes. That's what it should be. It's not speaking to your emotions. It should be speaking to your spirit, man. Because you're reflecting and remembering of who God is. And you're praising him in accordance to that. The Bible says this, that he inhabits or dwells within the praises of his people. Which means that whenever you praise God from here, when you praise him with all your heart, when you really worship him in spirit and in truth, God begins to show up in the presence of his people, which means this, the miracle maker, the redeemer, the deliverer, the healer, the restorer, he is in the room. And whenever you encounter him, those things that you've been facing, they can change. God can do that. Miss Donald, will you come play? So the Bible says this, he looked at the paralyzed man. After the paralyzed man had encountered the presence of Jesus, he looked at the paralyzed man and he said this, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Let me tell somebody in the room today, I know you came in one way, but I'm telling you by the unction of the Holy Spirit today, get up, take what's been the experience of your past, and go home. And the Bible says after that says, immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he'd been lying on and went home and he went home and he praised God. Let me encourage you today. If there's something you were believing for today and you felt like, man, I really felt God moving in this area of my life today, you go home and you praise God for that. Don't just go, hmm. Sweet God. Go home and praise him for what he's done in your life. Praise him for how you experienced his presence today. And do that every week. Do it every week. It'll change your life. Man, I experienced God as a healer today. I thank you, Lord, you're my healer. Man, I experienced God as my joy today. I went and kind of depressed the church today. Man, I left with joy in my heart, smile on my, my face. Man, thank you, Lord, for being my joy today. I went into church today, and man, I, I felt all kind of calamity in the mind. It was like a whirlwind of chaos. But as soon as I showed up to church today, Lord, you were my peace, and I thank you for that. Whatever mat you come in laying on, don't just lay there. Get up and walk out differently. I believe that God wants to do that within your life. God wants to do that every time that you show up. God wants to do that here at this church. Amen. Will you stand up to your feet this morning and lift your hands? Lord, I want to pray over us as we dismiss. Come on, let's pray over the word today. Father, I thank you once again for this today. I thank you, Lord, you've opened our ears to hear what you wanted to speak. Lord, help us activate this word within our lives. We won't lay in self-pity. We won't lay in our issues and our problems and our struggles. But Father, we thank you that you're speaking over us and you've told us to get up. So Lord, we won't live in yesterday any longer for there's a new day that you have for us. A day of deliverance, a day of freedom, a day of greater joy, a day to experience your presence and your miracle working power. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for everything you've done, you're doing, and you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Will you give God a hand clap of praise today? Hallelujah.